This is the KOTO Community Radio News for Wednesday, December 15th. I'm Julia Caulfield. In today's headlines, FBI arrests Telluride man in connection with Capitol insurrection. Public health thinks long-term COVID planning. Telluride discusses hunting on the wedge and a mountain weather forecast. Telluride local Avery McCracken was arrested over the weekend for his alleged connection to the Capitol insurrection on January 6, 2020. San Miguel County Sheriff officers arrested McCracken in Norwood on Saturday, December 11th, with a federal warrant from the FBI. McCracken is 68 years old and has lived in the Telluride region for a number of years. According to court documents, on January 6th, McCracken approached a police line that was attempting to protect the Capitol in Washington, D.C. Documents say he assaulted a Metropolitan Police Department officer with pushes, shoves, and a punch to the face that left a cut under the officer's eye. The court documents say McCracken also assaulted a second police officer with pushes, shoves, and grabs. McCracken is indicted on multiple charges, including assaulting, resisting, or impeding certain officers using a dangerous weapon or inflicting bodily injury, civil disorder, entering and remaining in a restricted building or grounds, engaging in physical violence in a restricted building or grounds, and act of physical violence on Capitol grounds or buildings. San Miguel County Sheriff Bill Masters says in January, the sheriff's office received an anonymous tip indicating McCracken was in Washington, D.C. for the January riot. We informed the FBI of that uh, information at that time. Um, We didn't receive anything else for uh, quite some time. uh, uh, We did receive some uh, information a little bit later. Uh, from another source. That source identified McCracken in a photo of rioters at the Capitol. Upon us reviewing the the picture, we realized that it was, in fact, Mr. McCracken that that, uh, appeared to be at the Capitol and informed the FBI um, of that information that that we'd received. They, in turn, went and uh, started a full investigation. The FBI issued a warrant for arrest and asked the sheriff's office to apprehend McCracken. When it comes to McCracken's involvement with the attack on the Capitol, Masters says he isn't particularly surprised. Knowing this individual for uh, 40 years, um, he'd been in and out of our jail on numerous occasions. We've charged him with multiple crimes, as have other federal agencies in the past. So it it wasn't uh, terribly shocking. And he's grateful to federal investigators for continuing their investigation into the January 6th attack. I'm really uh, uh, glad that the uh, FBI agents are are taking uh, this incident seriously and and are investigating it very thoroughly. And uh, we're we're certainly there to stand and help uh, with our uh, partners in uh, peacekeeping uh, on the federal level. McCracken appeared in federal court in Grand Junction on Tuesday. He is being prosecuted by the U.S. Attorney's Office and the Department of Justice National Security Division's Counterterrorism Section. It's time to start thinking about how, as a community, we engage with COVID for the long haul. That's according to Grace Franklin, San Miguel County Public Health Director. We still are in an emergency and an emergent state. Um, 
but how can we reframe this knowing that we're going to live with COVID um, for several years um, in some way, shape, or fashion, um, but it, we're really moving away from that wildfire concept of um, addressing the one big burn here, but just that it's a sustained season, right? Franklin updated the San Miguel Board of County Commissioners on Wednesday. She says reframing the crisis means looking at disease burden, severity of disease and hospital capacity, breakthrough cases and treatments, immunity, and acceptable trade-offs. What is the acceptable trade-off for our policies? Um, What level of hospitalizations and deaths um, are we um, willing to accept? Um, Are we willing to accept certain types of outbreaks? Because we know those will flare up and come down. And what are our general thresholds um, when we're balancing between our COVID response and all the other competing um, needs within the health of our community, um, which are all equally valid as well. That long-term planning comes as Colorado sees a decrease in cases. It looks like there's this sustained decline with the epi curve across the state as a whole. Incidence rate as a whole has remained variable, but um, it does seem to be improving Yet nationwide, the U.S. hits a grim milestone. As of this week, we've hit almost the 800,000 mark for um, COVID-related deaths in the United States. And um, looking at that data, it shows that one in every 100 Americans over the age of 65 um, has, from the last year had died from COVID-19. Um, on top of that, the ratio for people under 65 years old is about 1 in 1,400. Locally, three San Miguel County residents are currently hospitalized from COVID. Um, two of these people are um, in their 30s and 40s and were relatively healthy um, prior to becoming infected, but are currently intubated. Um, and then the uh, other individual that was hospitalized um, late yesterday um, is um, over 65 and um currently um, in the hospital um, within our region. Um, So we're continuing to see severity of disease across all age groups um, and really seeing the biggest burden in our unvaccinated uh, populations. And of course, the Omicron variant remains a somewhat unknown. Several cases have been detected in Colorado, but so far the variant hasn't traveled off the front range. Preliminary data shows Omicron spread significantly faster than Delta. However, that research also indicates the vaccine still works, especially when coupled with a booster shot. This is really our time um, to get this added level of immunity, extra layers of protection, um, and that um, those who have uh, have gotten vaccine, vaccinated already um, to get that booster and those who haven't gotten vaccinated to consider that. Public Health and the Board of County Commissioners intend to begin conversations about long-term planning for COVID response. Public Health is continuing to provide COVID vaccines. Times, dates, and registration is available at sanmiguelcountyco.gov slash coronavirus. In November, an elk was shot and killed near the valley floor, sparking discussion and sometimes anger about hunting in the area. On Tuesday, Telluride Town Council held a work session to discuss hunting on a portion of the valley floor owned by the U.S. Forest Service, known as the Wedge. 
The wedge sits just south of the valley floor, nestled primarily on the hillside between the protected open space and Mountain Village. Here's Telluride Town Attorney Kevin Geiger. The wedge is a pretty unique parcel of property. It's um, fairly long from east to west, and for about half the length of it, it's between 100 feet and 150 feet wide. The analogy we were using in our letter, a tennis court is about 80 feet long. So you're talking about the discharge of a high-powered rifle on either side of of an incorporated boundary where the width of that public land is between one tennis court to two tennis courts long. The work session came after the town of Telluride sent a letter to the Forest Service and Colorado Parks and Wildlife asking the agencies to prohibit hunting on the land. I want to stress that the sentiment from the town is that we are not dismissing the idea of hunting. Telluride Mayor Delaney Young. On a personal note, I grew up in a hunting family. I'm still in a hunting family. and. Every neighbor within a two-block radius of me, almost every neighbor, is also a hunting family. It's not about the hunting. It's about the proximity to the two of the local jurisdictions. It's about safety concerns for people who are non-hunters who may be in the area, unknowing of what perhaps is going on very close to them. But according to Megan Eno, Norwood District Ranger for the Forest Service, individuals hunt in the same vicinity of other recreators all the time. Hunting happens in densely recreated areas frequently across the country. And when I knew that we were coming to this meeting, um, I, I tried to do some research to figure out if, if there are times when we've ever closed areas to hunting um, because of the density of use and, and nothing stood out um, And when I talked to other managers, they weren't able to find an incident like that either. In general, um, if we're going to support multiple use management, um, hunting is a a big part of that. And the reason it's a big part of that um, is because management of wildlife and the two are sort of inextricably linked. She says she understands the concern, given complicated land ownership, with Forest Service land bumping up to town-owned land. But she notes hunters don't frequently hunt near the valley floor, making recreational safety less of a concern. If the last time that we were aware of an issue or um, people observing hunting and um, having it raise safety concerns was 2009, you know, that was 11, 12, 12 years ago. Um, And so in my mind, it doesn't stand out as necessarily being um, a consistent or, or repeating concern, I think, if it happens once every 12 years. Mark Caddy, District Wildlife Manager for Colorado Parks and Wildlife, says he believes even with the, at times, narrow piece of land, a hunter can take a safe shot in the area. I understand that there is that narrowness of the um, parts of that parcel, but there's also a very large other portion of more down towards the Telluride proper itself. And I think with the angle, you know, a person has to be careful. So you, it can be done. I'm not, again, I'm not going to stand here and say that you can just go up there and willy-nilly fire a rifle. But if you are acting in an appropriate manner and acting in a safe manner, it could be, it can be done and it without harming or hurting anybody else. Rachel Straya, a wildlife manager at CPW, adds, despite using weapons, hunting is a safe activity. Unlike any recreation that I'm aware of, 
um, within the general things that somebody could do on a day-to-day -day basis. Hunters in Colorado are required to attend a hunter education class and to provide proof that they took that class before they can buy a license in Colorado. So that requirement actually has made hunting one of the safest activities that occurs on the forest with very low injury rates, um, et cetera, related to hunting and to those activities. Eno suggests rather than prohibiting hunting on the property, which has no precedent, it would be helpful to educate hunters and recreators about the fact that hunting could take place in the area and how to act accordingly. But town council member Dan Enright has concerns that knowing hunting could take place might dissuade other recreators from using the property. Now, in my mind, if we educate the public that there may be hunters there, and the, that we therefore encourage more hunting on the wedge, that will effectively discourage uh, the other mixed uses on the adjacent properties, on the valley floor, which is one of the most popular running, hiking, and biking trails in our region. And if, if the other users of that area do not feel safe to, to be on that, for what you keep saying is not a heavily trafficked area, not a heavily used uh, area for hunting, uh, but if the general sentiment becomes that it could be, I, I see that as a contradiction for your supposed goal of encouraging a mixed use. Councilmember Lars Carlson has a different idea altogether. What seems logical to me, if we don't want hunting and they're not going to change the policy, then we just have to find land to trade with them. Councilmember Jesse Ray Arguez shared support for the idea. Eno says she would be happy to be part of a discussion to exchange land. Federal restrictions already state individuals are not allowed to discharge a deadly weapon within 150 yards of a, quote, residence, building, campsite, or developed recreation site. Eno notes she doesn't interpret a trail as a developed recreation site, but says she will work to clarify if it does. If so, for all intents and purposes, that would eliminate legal hunting on narrow portions of the wedge. 20 by Telluride is back. It's the Telluride Arts District's event that asks creative and inspiring locals to share a glimpse of their inner workings through 20 slides shown for 20 seconds. This week, 20 by Telluride is back for its 50th anniversary and will feature Penelope Gleason, George Greenbank, Rube Felicelli, and Jareb Carter. The 20 by Telluride event will take place on Friday, December 17th at the New Sheridan Bar. What's crispy and crunchy on the outside and gooey and chewy on the inside? And gluten-free and vegan? The chocolate chip cookies you can learn how to make next week. The AHA School for the Arts will offer a gluten-free vegan chocolate chip cookie baking class this Tuesday with Poe Nicodemus. According to the AHA, the recipe yields uncompromising results. Registration is available at aha.org. The class is free and will take place on Tuesday, December 21st from 3 to 5 p.m. All participants will need to wear masks and provide proof of a COVID vaccine. The state of Colorado reached a million-dollar settlement on Monday over a 2015 mine spill near Silverton. 
the $1.6 million settlement with Sunnyside Gold Corporation finds the company responsible for the damage caused by wastewater that spilled from the Gold King mine back in 2015. During the spill, acidic wastewater from the mine damaged natural resources from the surrounding Bonita Peak Mining District Superfund site, which sits just north of Silverton. It also spilled into the Animas River and turned the river water orange. From there, the mine waste made its way into the San Juan River, which travels through New Mexico, the Navajo Nation, and eventually merges with the Colorado River. According to Colorado Attorney General Phil Weiser's office, this week's settlement finds that Sunnyside Gold Corporation's decision to plug a different mine resulted in the spill. Blocking that mine caused contaminated waste to build up inside the nearby Gold King mine and eventually spill out. The attorney general's office says the settlement money will be used to restore the surrounding damage as well as damage caused by other releases of hazardous material. The agreement was approved by the Colorado Natural Resources Trustees, which includes the head of the state's Department of Natural Resources, the head of the Department of Public Health and Environment, and the attorney general. Now, the settlement agreement will go through a 30-day public comment period before the courts decide whether to approve it. Colorado lawmakers appear willing to pay for a new security detail for Secretary of State Jenna Griswold in the wake of increased threats against her. KOTO's Scott Franz has more. Griswold wants about $200,000 worth of protection ahead of next year's midterm elections. It would pay for personnel at her public appearances, as well as technology to monitor threats on social media. She says the danger extends to elections workers around the state. I think it's heartbreaking that the Chafee County Clerk is now working behind bulletproof glass. We have to recognize the, the age we're in and respond adequately to both protect personnel, to protect our election infrastructure. A state ethics board rejected Griswold's request to have an outside group pay for the extra security. But state lawmakers may foot the bill themselves. Senator Bob Rankin of Carbondale also floated the idea of spending more money to combat election misinformation campaigns. I'm Scott Franz. The National Weather Service forecast for the western San Juans calls for mostly clear skies tonight with a low around 10 degrees. Thursday should be mostly sunny during the day with scattered showers at night. The high is in the mid-30s with a low around 15. Winds could gust as high as 30 miles per hour. Friday, expect mostly sunny skies with a chance of snow showers and a high near 30 degrees. Friday night should be mostly clear, with a low around 5. This has been the news for Wednesday, December 15th. Thanks for listening. If you have a story idea or a news tip, call the news team at 970-728-3206.